1: Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio, wherever you can get
0: podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app, and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a Pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free that's promo code radio terms and conditions apply this is a podcast from minute media welcome to the matt lombardo show part of the stacking the box podcast Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo.
1: What's going on, everybody? Welcome on in to another week, another episode of the Matt Lombardo Show. Right here inside Fansided Stacked in the Box podcast feed. I'm Fansided National NFL Insider Matt Lombardo. Great to have you here. A lot to get into as the NFL season rounds into Week 14. A big game in Week 13 that just might determine... Just might be a glimpse of what the Super Bowl future might hold for this league and a head coach whose future might very well be in doubt and a whole lot more with an action-packed slate ahead this Sunday afternoon. We'll get into all that and a whole lot more, but before we do, as always, a little bit of housekeeping for you. If you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, all of your favorite podcast platforms to Fansided, Stacking the box. NFL podcast. You get two outstanding podcasts for the price of none. You get Matt Verderam and Mark Carmen every Tuesday on Stacking the Box, and the Matt Lombardo show comes your way each and every Friday. And if you really enjoy the podcast, if you like my work, if you follow along on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL, if you like the guests that we've been able to get since we've launched the pod, please go ahead and leave a five-star review for Stacking the Box and mention the Matt Lombardo Show. Let me know what you like, what you don't like, a guest or two that you might want me to go get on the podcast, and I'll try to make it happen. But this week, if you leave a five-star review, please go ahead and let me know who your sleeper Super Bowl team is, the team that might be on the lower end of one of the brackets on the NFC or the AFC side, Who's your sleeper? Who are you riding to the Super Bowl? And I'll read that review on the podcast next week. But with all that out of the way, let's get right into it. Watching that game on Monday night, which by the way, that game between the Patriots and the Bills, New England's 14-10 win, that was the first Monday night game in a really long time, maybe since... 2016 when we saw Patrick Mahomes go up against Jared Goff in the LA Coliseum on Monday night. That was the first Monday night football game that really felt like an event. It really felt like whether it was the wind, the snow, the elements, the matchup, Bill Belichick against Sean McDermott, a previous AFC favorite in the Bills with a team that's charging hard at a Super Bowl run, another Super Bowl run in the New England Patriots. That game felt meaningful. It felt like there was a lot at stake, and there certainly was. And after Buffalo lost 14-10, a team that went to the AFC Championship game a year ago, a team that entered this season as one of the favorites to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl this season, especially after going in to Arrowhead and beating the Chiefs earlier this season, after losing Monday night 14-10, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, and the Bills Their season now hangs in the balance, and on the flip side of that, the flip side of that game, Bill Belichick's New England Patriots look like the most complete team in the AFC. They're a team that boasts a top three defense in the NFL, and they showed on Monday night, despite not even considering, not even thinking about passing the football with Mac Jones only throwing it three times all game, they still rushed. For 222 yards. They still averaged something like 4.6 yards per carry. And at one point in the third quarter, they were averaging 6.8 yards per attempt. When you can run the ball that effectively and play as dominant as they do on defense with Matthew Judon, with the McCordys, with all of the talent that they have in the front seven, when you can stifle. When you can just strangle out an offense like they did against Josh Allen, holding him to 145 yards on a touchdown, and you go on the road in that environment – That shows me that you are a Super Bowl caliber team. And I know that earlier in this season, they stumbled against the Dallas Cowboys. I know earlier this season, Tom Brady went in there on a rainy night and escaped with a really close, hard-fought victory, a a game that kind of, quote-unquote, shut the door on his Patriots tenure, but not so fast. I think there's a chance that these teams meet again. But after everything that happened on Monday night, the fact that the Patriots are now 9-4, and four, they're a game and a half up on the Buffalo Bills, they play them again in two weeks, I look across the landscape of the AFC, and clearly the Jekyll and Hyde Bengals have their issues. Obviously, and I wrote about this on Wednesday in my column, go check it out on fansided.com, the Baltimore Ravens offense is doing Lamar Jackson no favors, and Baltimore suddenly looks very pedestrian after going in to Heinz Field and losing to Pittsburgh on Sunday afternoon in a game where Lamar Jackson was sacked four times and threw one of the worst interceptions of the season. The Ravens look very vulnerable. The Patriots don't. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, if you would have told me in September that we will be talking about two weeks before Christmas, Steve Spagnuolo's defense being the driving force between Kansas City making a run and Patrick Mahomes and the offense still not really finding their footing, I would have thought you were crazy, but here we are. The Patriots, though, entering this week, to me, They're the team to beat in the AFC. They're the most complete team. They're the number three ranked defense in the NFL behind the Bills and the Panthers. They're holding opponents to just 310 yards per game. And they showed you on Monday night what they're capable of doing, imposing their will at scrimmage. They really made the Buffalo Bills you know, look foolish for not going big to stop the run at any point, not adapting. Bill Belichick coached circles around Sean McDermott. And we know that in December and January, dominating at the line of scrimmage drawing the offensive and defensive lines is how you win. The Patriots have shown an ability to do that. So if I'm handicapping the AFC race, I look at the Patriots as the team to beat. I think there's a good chance they wind up as the number one seed hosting the AFC championship game. But I want to look at this a little bit differently this week. I want to look at as we start to think about the fact that the Patriots could wind up after they come off their bye week in a real good position to clinch the AFC East with another win against the Bills and probably make a real run at the number one overall seed. We know how they match up against the AFC contenders. But what about a potential Super Bowl matchup down the line? How do the Patriots match up against some of the premier teams on the NFC side of the bracket? And the three teams, and we've talked about this a couple of different times, a couple of different weeks on the podcast, there are three or four teams in the NFC that I think have a legitimate chance to go to the Super Bowl. And those three teams are the Buccaneers, the Packers, the Dallas Cowboys, and half a rung below them. The Arizona Cardinals, because I know Arizona went in and Kyler Murray came off injured reserve and went out and just lit up the Chicago Bears in the elements. But that was against Andy Dalton. It wasn't against Justin Fields at a fully healthy Chicago Bears offense, which has left a lot to be desired. But I think the Cardinals are certainly in the mix and they're the top team in the NFC, so you got to put them in the conversation. But for this exercise, I'm looking at how do the Patriots match up against the Cowboys, the Packers, and the Buccaneers. And of course, there was that thrilling overtime game that the Cowboys went up and won thanks to big plays late from Dak Prescott and a pivotal interception from Trayvon Diggs. But I look at this matchup and it might be the most compelling. It might be the Super Bowl matchup that I would be not necessarily the most excited to see but certainly one that I could see happening. And, you know, I've been high on the Cowboys all season. But the Cowboys boast the number one offense in the NFL. They're averaging 278 passing yards per game, 129 rushing yards. Dallas went up there. They lost in overtime in Foxborough. Maybe it's different on a neutral site, but the Cowboys still have to get there. And the Cowboys have some really bad losses on their resume. When you think about what happened on Thanksgiving against the Las Vegas Raiders, when you think about the absolute egg that they laid at home against the Denver Broncos, then you go on the road on a Thursday night and you take care of business in New Orleans, there might not be a more Jekyll and Hyde team in the NFL than the Dallas Cowboys, and that's bad news if you're going up against a team that just pounds you into submission at scrimmage, can run the ball down your throats, and has a quarterback in a system that's built around his best traits to help him be the most consistent in Mac Jones. I think I like the Patriots, if that's how it plays out. And what would be a really fascinating game would be Packers-Patriots, because you would have the wily, savvy, gunslinging, former MVP veteran quarterback in Aaron Rodgers against Mac Jones. And much like New England... The Packers are winning this season on the back of their defense, and they are ninth in passing offense thanks to Aaron Rodgers. They can also run the ball a little bit. A.J. Dillon has emerged. We know what Aaron Jones can do when fully healthy. And that wide receiving core with guys like Devontae Adams, arguably the premier wide receiver in football. You have Alan Lazard. Randall Cobb is probably going to be healthy by the time the postseason rolls around. They have the pieces in place to really stress and really pressure that Patriots secondary, and the chess match between Aaron Rodgers and Bill Belichick would be worth the price of admission. And we know that the game plan that Bill Belichick put together from Super Bowl 25 resides in the Hall of Fame. Imagine what the game plan would have to look like to take out Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and Randall Cobb and A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones and all of the firepower on that Packers offense – That'd be a game that I would certainly tune into and and really be thrilled to have play out. But the ultimate chess match, the ultimate rematch, the ultimate Super Bowl drama, when you talk about a Super Bowl with more storylines than any other in recent memory, think about the possibility of Buccaneers-Patriots. Think about Bill Belichick against Tom Brady. Brady goes down, joins forces with Bruce Arians, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, recruits Rob Gronkowski to join him last year, absolutely dominates. And the defense makes a statement almost embarrassing Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl last year. If the Buccaneers make it through the NFC gauntlet, and if it's the Patriots on the other side, that's must-see TV. That's some of the ultimate theater in sports with Belichick against Brady They've already met before. They already had a game earlier this season where Brady and the Buccaneers survived 19-17 on a miserable rainy night in Foxborough. You put this in perfect conditions at SoFi Stadium in L.A.? And, you know, it's going to be a hell of a game. You look at that defense for both teams. You look at the talent on defense on both sides of this matchup. You look at the heir apparent in Mac Jones against Tom Brady. You look at the teacher versus the protege in Belichick and Brady. Storylines abound, and the teams are really similarly constructed when you think about dominating on defense and some really talented receivers on the offensive side of the ball. That'd be fascinating. And, and you know, all of the arguments and all of the debates that we've had over the last couple of years about who mattered more, Bill Belichick or Tom Brady, you had those conversations a little bit leading up to the game back in September. You would certainly have those conversations in spades leading up to a Super Bowl game in February, and we'd really find out the answer on the game's grandest stage, the biggest game in all of sports, the Super Bowl so I think that would be a really compelling matchup as well but the Patriots to me when I think about the hierarchy in the AFC they're the team to beat right now and you look at the stretch run coming off the latest buy in the NFL you have a playoff caliber Colts team in Indianapolis that's a tough test then you get the Bills at home revenge situation but it's also potentially a clinching situation for the Patriots and they finish up with the Jaguars at home and they go to Miami I like New England's chances of winning the AFC East, and if that happens, I like their chances in the postseason against a Tennessee, against a Baltimore. I think that the Bills, if they can hang on and somehow get in, I don't know that Buffalo would be able to climb that mountain if you lose to them twice in the regular season. So I think that the team to beat, the most complete team, I'd take the Patriots over the Kansas City Chiefs. I might take them over the Los Angeles Chargers unless Justin Herbert really gets hot. But matching up against some of the NFC's best, we've seen it before, we'll have to see how it could play out in a potential Super Bowl. On the other side, I really want to get into the future of an NFL head coach. If he's not already on the hot seat, it should be cranking up the heat right now. Keep it locked right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside Fansided Stacked in the Box podcast feed.
0: Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick 'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome back in, and anyone who has watched football the last couple of weeks and certainly watched that Thursday night game between the Vikings and the Pittsburgh Steelers has to wonder just how much longer the Minnesota Vikings are going to deal with and put up with Mike Zimmer. I mean, you think about the last couple of weeks, it's really been endemic of some of the issues the Vikings have had all season and over the past several seasons, but Thursday night against the Steelers, You look at the Minnesota Vikings, they played Dalvin Cook despite the fact that he had a shoulder injury. What shoulder injury? 153 yards and two touchdowns for the first half. They burst out to a 23-0 lead. Everybody is talking about the end of the Ben Roethlisberger era in Pittsburgh, the end of the Steelers season, which after they lost a game for all intents and purposes, that probably does wrap up Pittsburgh's postseason aspirations. But you look at what happened in the second half. You'll get the fact that the Vikings went up 29 to nothing and had a hold on by the skin of their teeth 36 to 28 after being outscored 21 to 7. Pat Fryermuth catches a touchdown in the fourth quarter and if Chase Claypool doesn't absurdly signal first down in the open field with about 9 seconds left before they had the chance to spike it, maybe they get two shots At the end zone, after Pat Frymuth drops a a would-be touchdown that would have tied the game or at least set up a situation for the Steelers to go for a two-point conversion to tie the game. But you look at how that game ended. On the heels of how the Vikings game ended four days earlier on the road in Detroit, losing, coughing up a game to the previously winless 0-10-1 0-10-1 and in Detroit Lions, 29-27 with Jared Goff throwing a touchdown late to beat the Vikings. You have to wonder, just how much longer is Mike Zimmer going to be the head coach of the Minnesota Vikings? Just how much longer is the Wilf family going to put up with Mike Zimmer and these late-game meltdowns, these teams and these seasons that are underachieving? The Vikings are now 6-7 and seven on the year, but you think about where this franchise has been. You think about what this franchise has invested in Kirk Cousins, and yeah, maybe this offseason you go ahead and blow it up. Maybe you go ahead and you trade for a Derek Carr or a Jimmy Garoppolo. Both of those, by the way, would be lateral moves. Maybe you can somehow pry Russell Wilson from Seattle with multiple first-round picks to drop him into that offense with Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and all the weapons they have on offense. Maybe... But I don't know that Minnesota is a place that Russell Wilson and Sierra want to live long term. But you have to wonder... What does the future hold for Zimmer, who is not well-liked, who has made a habit of scapegoating assistant coaches when the seasons come off the rails in recent years and has very minimal track record of success, and the most recent track record is late-game meltdowns that have put you behind the eight ball to even compete in your division. You know, if they would have lost that game in Detroit, I made the argument that they should have left Mike Zimmer on the tarmac for how he managed the second half. If they would have lost that game on Thursday night, which would have been the largest regular season comeback in NFL history from 29-0 down, if they would have lost that game, they would have and should have fired Mike Zimmer before he even got to the podium for his post-game press conference. But then the question becomes, if you're not bringing Mike Zimmer back next season, which I don't think the Vikings should. I think it's time for a new direction at head coach, even if you don't blow it up at quarterback and the rest of the roster. It's not working. It hasn't worked for some time, and you're starting to see that with these late-game meltdowns. If you move on, who's the next man up? And I think it comes down to the more popular names on the coaching carousel, whether that's Brian Dabble, if he somehow shakes loose from Buffalo. I think that he's a guy that is very deserving of a head coaching position based on the track record of the Bills' offense over the last couple of years, what he did with Josh Allen a year ago. I don't know that you can necessarily replicate that success with Kirk Cousins because there's more of a body of work. There's more of a built-in skill set with Kirk Cousins than there was with Josh Allen, but you certainly have the weapons You think about dropping Brian Dable into an offense with Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson and all of the weapons they have behind that offensive line, which is perennially one of the top five or so in the NFL, you could maybe see a quick turnaround there. I can make the same argument for Byron Lefwich down in Tampa Bay, who they basically adopted Tom Brady's offense, they didn't teach a new offense to Tom Brady. They didn't impart Brian Lefwich's and Bruce Arians' system on Tom Brady. They took what Tom Brady knows best and they implemented it. And they built it around an offense with similar firepower in Godwin, Evans, Gronkowski, and that stable of running backs. You could see them with Byron Lefwich in the NFC North really making a little bit of a run at challenging the Green Bay Packers. And if you want to talk about guys on the defensive side of the ball... Why not a guy like Wink Martindale down in Baltimore? And we've seen what that Ravens defense has been able to do over the past number of seasons. You're in a division in the AFC North where you have Aaron Rodgers. Might or might not be back in Green Bay. You have Justin Fields up and coming, potentially with a brand new coaching staff, assuming Matt Nagy is let go at season's end, if not before it. And in Detroit, they're still trying to find an identity with or without Jared Goff and with Dan Campbell, who seems to be building a culture where at least the players play hard for him. You can make a case that in that division with or without Aaron Rodgers, that a defensive minded head coach might be built to succeed in Minnesota because they have some dominant players in the back end of that defense. They have some dominant players in the front seven, especially Eric Kendricks at linebacker, that can be the foundation for a solid defense and a solid franchise moving forward. But I just look at the firepower they have on offense. I just look at today's NFL where offense wins. And You look at Minnesota's situation where they could pick up the baton if Fields doesn't make that leap next season, if Allen Robinson signs elsewhere, if the Bears have to learn a new scheme and go out and bring in new skill position players, young skill position players to build around Fields, where the Vikings might be that next team, that team that's closest to capitalizing. So I don't think that you need to get drastic and go and get another quarterback. I think you can win with Kirk Cousins, but you need a play caller who can build an offense around his skill set and I think Dabble has been able to do that with Josh Allen basically building an offense around his best traits I think that you've seen what Byron Leftwich has been able to do building an offense that was imported by Tom Brady's success and what he does best now Brady is obviously in a different stratosphere than Kirk Cousins but the production with Cousins's similar supporting cast isn't all that different Kirk Cousins, so far this season, 3,569 passing yards, 27 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Tom Brady, 3,700 passing yards, 34 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions. The passer rating is almost identical. So, look, I I know that Brady and Kirk Cousins are two very different quarterbacks, but this notion that Kirk Cousins is somehow the issue with the Minnesota Vikings— I think that's off base, and I think that if you get an offensive-minded head coach in there who can build an offense around what he does best, getting rid of the football quickly, putting the onus on his playmakers to make plays after the catch in the open field, I think the Vikings can win there but I don't think that you can win with Mike Zimmer. That's where I'm at, and whether it's at the end of the season, whether it's after another fourth-quarter meltdown, the Vikings should move on from Mike Zimmer and look towards an up-and-coming offensive-minded head coach to replace him along with Kirk Cousins. On the other side, let's preview Week 14 in the NFL. Some big games are going to tell us a lot about the stretch run in the NFL. Keep it right here on the Matt Lombardo Show inside fan-sided Stacked in the Box podcast feed.
0: Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app, and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app. Draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a Pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply.
1: Welcome back in. Pretty good slate of games coming up this Sunday and certainly it has been an interesting appetizer whether it's the end of week 13 on Monday night with that epic Bills Patriots game with so much on the line or Thursday night's game that unexpectedly came down to the wire in Steelers and Vikings. But there are three games that I think stand above the rest this weekend that are really going to be telling when it comes to the state of the NFC East, NFC West, and AFC North division races, and the playoff picture as a whole, because this is when you separate the wheat from the chaff. This is when the contenders and the pretenders fall to their various sides of the spectrum, and we're gonna find out mighty quick on Sunday the identity of some teams that are on the fringe of the playoff conversation, and others about whether or not they have legitimate Super Bowl aspirations I just want to start right out of the shoot with the game that has a chance to be the game of the weekend and that's Monday night Cardinals versus Rams and if you've listened to this podcast for the course of this season. I might be a little bit more down on the Arizona Cardinals because I'm not yet a believer in Cliff Kingsbury down the stretch. I'm not sure that Kyler Murray can stay healthy enough down the stretch for it to matter. But that Cardinals defense has been one of the best in the NFL all season long. And Kyler Murray has looked like an MVP at various stretches. This is a gotta-have-it game for both teams. This game is, by and large, going to decide the NFC West race. And the Cardinals, they've won two in a row. They've won three of their last four. And Kyler Murray's coming off a game where he came off an injury, came onto the field against the Chicago Bears in the cold, in the snow, in the rain, still passed for 123 yards and two touchdowns and a Cardinals win. So this is a game that could really further separate the Arizona Cardinals who enter at ten and two from the eight and four Los Angeles Rams kind of drive a stake into the coffin when it comes to the Cardinals potentially locking up that division in the coming weeks. But the Rams They absolutely desperately have to win this game on the road because, look, they're not the same team since the trade deadline. Last week I wrote about this in my column, the predictability of Sean McVay, the issues about building a dream team midseason as the Rams and GM Lesnead have tried to do. But the Rams have not played at a dominant high level for some time, and they need to find an identity. They need to find an identity quickly. It's one thing to get right against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's another to play against the Cardinals the same way that you were through the first three or four weeks of the season after the book essentially has been written on how to beat you. You look at this team, they've allowed 28 or more points in three of their last four. If you allow 28 points to Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins in the Arizona Cardinals, you are going to lose. You're not winning that game if you allow 28 points or more. And Arizona certainly has the firepower to do that against a defense that hasn't been playing all that well. And Matthew Stafford seems to have turned it around a bit with three touchdowns over the last two games, each of the last two games rather, in Green Bay and a loss at Lambeau Field to the Packers and last week against the Jaguars. Stafford needs to throw for 300 plus, three plus touchdowns. They need to get Odell Beckham Jr. involved early and often, and they need an early lead. If they can get an early lead and turn it over to the running game to Daryl Henderson and the backs that they have, if they can get out to an early lead and put it on ice and force Kyler Murray to throw while you turn up the pressure with Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Leonard Floyd, you have a puncher's chance. But I don't know that they can do it. If they fall behind and the Cardinals with Marcus Golden and Chandler Jones can pin their ears back and get after Matthew Stafford. Look out, it's not going to be fun. Another game to watch with major postseason implications, especially after the Steelers lost on Thursday night, It's Ravens-Browns. It's a rematch of two weeks ago, an ugly win for the Baltimore Ravens, where Lamar Jackson didn't play all that well, but has kind of been the type of performance that we've seen from Lamar Jackson over the last six weeks or so. Again, go to my column on fansided.com. I spoke to Sage Rosenfeld's renowned quarterback trainer, Quincy Avery, about what the Ravens need to do to help Lamar Jackson, who has really regressed over the last couple of weeks. But here's the issue. The biggest issue for Baltimore right now is the fact that defenses are throwing the kitchen sink at them. They're throwing zero coverage blitzes at them in situations where you wouldn't necessarily do that. And the supporting cast that Lamar Jackson has around him, his receivers... Marquise Brown and company, they're just not getting it done. They're not running the type of rub routes, the type of quick slants that can get the ball in their hands quickly and get them turned up field to make plays. It's not happening. The coaches aren't doing any favors for Lamar Jackson. They don't have the audibles in place for him at the line of scrimmage to jump out of bad looks against cover zero blitzes. And the Browns, here's the dirty secret, after they picked him off four times two weeks ago – They have the horses, especially up front with Miles Garrett, to play that kind of defense. They can get to Lamar Jackson without sending added pressure. And they have playmakers on the back end as well to make him pay for mistakes. So for Baltimore, it's going to come down to can they help Lamar Jackson? Can they alter their scheme enough to beat this defense that is plenty capable of... Making you pay for mistakes. And the Ravens are winning that division right now. They certainly are in the driver's seat in the AFC North. The Bengals losing last week. The Chargers did them no favors. But the Browns have flickering playoff hopes. If you're going to ratchet it up, if you're going to find that next gear one time, it's this game. And they're only a game and a half back. So if you win this game, you can be within striking distance with a four weeks to play so that's a game that I'm certainly going to be keeping an eye on and the third game of the week it's Cowboys versus Washington football team because the NFC East is right now looking a lot like it's the Cowboys and everybody else. That's what happens when you're the Philadelphia Eagles and you go into MetLife Stadium and you lose. That's what happens when you struggle as Washington did early on in the season and you're trying to mount a furious late season comeback. But we're going to find out on Sunday in a division game and you know that these two teams always play each other pretty close. They're always very physical matchups. We're going to find out which Dr. Jekyll or Mr. Hyde Cowboys team this is, and it's going to start on defense. They're starting to get healthy there. You might be getting Randy Gregory back on Sunday afternoon. Micah Parsons has been a dominant force in that front seven. We started this season talking about Micah Parsons potentially making a run at Defensive Rookie of the Year. He's now, in my opinion, the front runner for defensive player of the year. Parsons is the fastest rookie this season to double digit sacks. He enters Sunday with 10 of them. But this is a Cowboys team that needs to figure out what they are, especially on offense, because there are the injuries in the backfield with Ezekiel Elliott looking banged up, kind of looking like a shell of himself. Can Tony Pollard be the lead dog? Is this the week that Ezekiel Elliott gets healthy and gets dominant on the ground against that front seven that's banged up? They might be getting Jonathan Allen back in Washington, which would be huge and kind of a difference-making addition in this game. But is this going to be the Dallas Cowboys team that showed up against the Saints and was just slinging the ball all over the yard, even without Amari Cooper? And the defense that got after Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon and the Saints quarterback? With Micah Parsons looking like he was shot out of a cannon? Or is this going to be the Cowboys team that laid an egg at home against the Denver Broncos, against the Las Vegas Raiders, and came up small, especially on offense, on the road in Arrowhead against the Kansas City Chiefs? We're going to find out. But you look on the other sideline, and you look at the Washington football team, and you look at what they've done over the past month or so. They haven't scored 20 or more points since the week before Thanksgiving, but here's the rub they haven't allowed more than 21 points since October 10th. So don't sleep on this defense. And at some point, Dak Prescott is going to need to look like the Dak Prescott of the first four or five weeks, or the Cowboys are going to be in real trouble. It's one thing to run the ball effectively. It's another not to be able to pass it at all. And this game has a chance to be a real test for the Dallas Cowboys. But if Washington wins, if Washington pulls off the upset on Sunday afternoon at home, they'd be 7 and 6. Dallas would fall to 1 and 5. They'd be one game back with the tiebreaker right now over the Dallas Cowboys. And here's the thing about the NFC East, they all play each other down the stretch. 3 of the final 4 games are against division opponents. So if Washington wins, all of a sudden this division that we've talked about all year long about being the Cowboys to lose a division that they might be able to hang the banner at halftime on Thanksgiving. If they lose to Washington, there's a chance this thing goes to week 17 or week 18, and it could be one of the tighter division races in all of football. So I'm really looking forward to this game, really looking forward to the games on Sunday. Again, if you enjoy the podcast, please go ahead and subscribe to Stacked in the Box in the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, SoundCloud, Spreaker, all of your favorite podcast platforms. Follow me on Twitter at MattLombardoNFL. We have a big show on tap for you next week. I can't wait for that. I can't wait for the games this weekend. I'm Matt Lombardo enjoy the games enjoy the week and I'll talk to you next week right here on the Matt Lombardo show inside fan-sided stack in the box podcast feed
0: progressive snapshot can save you money based on how you drive and how much you drive so the safer you drive the more money you could save now if you didn't hear that because you were yelling at another car while driving let me say it again you need to calm down Yelling is just making everyone as stressed out as you are and letting them all know that you definitely aren't trying to save with Progressive Snapshot. And if you did hear it the first time because you weren't yelling at another car, (laughs) nice work. You'd love Snapshot from Progressive because it rewards safe drivers. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Snapshot not available in California and North Carolina or from all agents.